everyone, and welcome to Oscar Wilde, a podcast about film, always counting down to this year's Oscars. I'm Sophia Simonello. And I'm Nick Rookrout. And today we have another award season check-in. We will be talking all about the Golden Globes, whatever those mean this year, the BAFTA Longlist, and the SAG Award nominations. Very excited to talk through all of these with you guys. And we have with us again today, Bennett Prosser. Bennett, welcome back. Hi, thanks for having me back. Uh, excited to keep talking through these nominations and try to figure out what's going on. I would say particularly in Best Supporting Actor, but we can get there later. We will get there for sure. My excitement that happened this morning, but also it's like, who is getting in? I think we have like two solid people. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Let's get started with the Golden Globes. I know that we didn't really cover the Golden Globes on our show like we did last year, but I think we should just kind of go over what happened and maybe what we think their place is this year and what their effect will be ultimately on the Oscars. This year, it was something we didn't really know what was happening. It was some private behind closed doors event, and we just got the most chaotic tweets I have seen announcing the winners without even saying what film they were in. What did you guys think about the Golden Globes? How did you kind of engage in this experience? I was just refreshing my Twitter feed on the couch. I was watching something that I didn't have to pay attention to. And just if the HFPA had one way to do something right, it was just to make a a tweet that made sense. They didn't have to try to do anything weird with it, but they couldn't even get just tweeting out the awards correctly. So it became so much more of a story, like seeing how they were announcing them rather than who actually even won. I was so tired last Sunday that I almost didn't even stay up to wait for these tweets to come out. I was like, it's not going to matter anyway. I was in bed watching the second half of Parallel Mothers and would just occasionally hop on Twitter and refresh my feed. But that was exactly the problem. It was like, okay, how many tweets did I miss? And I would scroll and the pictures being the category name didn't help because there were like four lines of words. And I was like, I'm not reading this. So you would read the description, the actual tweet. And a lot of them, I couldn't even tell. It was like, oh my God, enough with the jokes. Just tell us who won. They posted like two gifts throughout and only like two. And it was like, why did you choose them? Why are they special? What does this mean? They were just trying to be so punny with everything. And I ended up seeing a like deleted West Side Story tweet the next day. Mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. like, that was a good one. Was this meant <laughs> to be for one. Don't Look Up? Like, did they announce the wrong winner and now they can't go back on it? Like, <laughs> what is happening? That's a good point. Like, whoever was running this Twitter account that night, is there any chance that they tweeted out the wrong winner? And now we're yeah. just living in that universe if don't look up was the winner actually and they just tweeted out west side story i'm fine with that let's (laughs) let's go with the fake winner here (laughs) my favorite was the it takes 43 muscles to smile thanks for the workout when andrew garfield won (laughs) so like aggressive (laughs) <laughs> they all sound like bad like e-cards <laughs> mm-hmm. like what is this but yeah i mean i was i was watching euphoria the season two premiere and i had my notifications turned on for the golden globes twitter have you guys watched the season mm-hmm. premiere yet Mm-mm. there's a moment when a character is drunk driving like speeding over, like over a hundred miles an hour and that is when I found out that Belfast won screenplay <laughs> <laughs> so it was just all sorts of nerves crash wrapped <laughs> into one <laughs> it's like when that happened that was when I thought like okay it's all downhill from here like the dream is over of the power of the dog winning and we're gonna have this you know green book situation that we're headed towards but that didn't happen yeah, after Branagh won for Belfast for screenplay, I looked back at the Globe's track record of who has won screenplay, and it's pretty rough. Like, last year, Trial of Chicago 7 won, and, you know, Green Book before it, and they don't have the best uh, taste when it comes to screenplays. 
They have, however, given Aaron Sorkin the win, I think, three times in the past decade. So is it a bad omen that he couldn't win this year for being the Ricardos and they gave it to Belfast? <laughs> like, oh, maybe, maybe we, he should have won this so we could just chalk it up to them loving him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he won for Steve Jobs. I forgot about that. Throwback. Like, he is a, a winner at the Globes always. Let's start with The Power of the Dog. Similar to critics groups here, it won three awards. It won Best Motion Picture Drama, Best Director for Jane Campion, and Best Supporting Actor for Cody Smith-McPhee. I think this is pretty major that it was able to pull this off. It's not completely a critics thing. I guess the Hollywood Foreign Press are technically journalists, but it feels big to me, at least. You know, it would have really been... Globesy of them to give it to Belfast for drama, but I was expecting the power of the dog and Jane Campion to win here. I'm only slightly surprised, but they usually go with the best director of the Oscars. So I think Jane winning is great, and I think we can look forward to an Oscar win with her. But I was kind of surprised with the Cody win. I didn't think he could pull it off, especially with Belfast. The Globes love to spread the wealth, and I thought maybe Belfast would get one more win here, but I think putting the power of the dog, and we can talk about West Side Story in a minute, up front, I think that was maybe their way of trying to get back on our good side also. I mean, a lot of these winners were actually really good winners. I mean, we take away Kenneth Branagh winning for screenplay, but we had MJ Rodriguez winning on the TV side. We had some really strong winners that felt like, okay, the Globes are trying to show us that they've maybe been doing some work here. I wasn't as convinced that The Power of the Dog was going to win drama. I also thought Spielberg could win director. They sometimes go for the technical achievement winner in director, and I was thinking like maybe they'll even go for Denis Villeneuve, but... Sticking with the power of the dog, I'm not going to be mad about that. Yeah, I do wonder if any of the voting this year was a little more calculated. I think maybe what we were saying about maybe actively trying to prove a point of diversity or relevance and not just going for the biggest A-list star for the win. So I I wonder how much that came into play. But with Cody Smith-McPhee, I'm also surprised that he has stuck around so much and stayed seemingly... Well, I would say definitely the front runner at this point. It's just so not the actor or performance or the role that is a steamroller in a supporting category, especially, that I think it's great, but maybe just no one else has gathered enough momentum or has kind of enough of a case to combat him. When I saw this movie, I did not walk out of it thinking oh my god, that kid, he is going to win the Oscar. He's going to sweep the season. Absolutely not. I thought that about maybe Cumberbatch, maybe Dunst, Campion, but like never Cody Smith-McPhee. I didn't didn't even know his name until the credits. (laughs) Yeah, he's not coming in with a narrative. Right. He's not. He's brand new. He has been in projects before. It's a different kind of performance to be just taking it away. On the other side of supporting actor while we're here, I think Troy Kotzer being in here, being in SAG, being in the BAFTA long list is surprising for me that CODA released at least initially when it won at Sundance earlier last year is still around and it's around big and Mm -hmm. it could even win in certain places, which is totally nuts to me. But I mean, we had other Sundance winners that came into the Oscars and did really well too. So I guess I shouldn't be, but this being the one nomination acting wise, Marley Matlin isn't here. Some of that is shocking to me. Yeah, I agree. Troy also came out of nowhere. I mean, on our episode where we talked about Coda, both of us chose Troy Kotzer as our winner. (laughs) But I never expected that to go anywhere. And I really love that performance. Like, I'm very happy for him, and I'm happy he's sticking around. I would, I think he'd be in my personal five or ten of the year. But, yeah, very unexpected. This season is, especially if you compare it to lead actor, which I know we'll get to these when we get to the SAG Awards, but that category is just so locked up. It's like we mm-hmm. kind of know what's going to happen, at least in who's going to be nominated. 
But supporting actor is just a whole different mess. Let's talk about West Side Story. So our other big winner of the night was West Side Story. One um, motion picture comedy musical actress for Zegler and supporting actress for Ariana DeBose. I think we all really like West Side Story. So this is mm-hmm. happy mm-hmm. news. <laughs> I was very happy with the two of these, like being our main, our big winners of the night, especially comedy or musical could have gone south, like very much so. I was very scared we were going to get a lot of Don't Look Up. Yeah, especially as such a buzzy of the moment movie that the Globes mm-hmm. love to award, especially on TV side. Maybe that's a case where they're trying to show that they're not what they once were and they mm-hmm. don't need to just do the award what is currently number one on Netflix. I think an interesting thing in the best actress in a comedy or musical category with Rachel Zegler winning is that she beat Alana Haim. And I felt mm-hmm. like the two of them seemed to be competing in my mind, maybe for a slot or at least for fifth or sixth place that kind of as the ingenue first film performance in a probable best picture nominee that seeing them go head to head here and Rachel coming out on top. I think I was actually surprised by that. If in isolation, just looking at the two of them, I feel like Alana has a lot more buzz right now, but maybe Rachel came in and got the win off of the West Side Story, you know, quote unquote sweep. I thought the same thing about actress here, because I do think they love an ingenue. The HFPA does not love Paul Thomas Anderson movies. They rarely win globes at all, unless Daniel Day-Lewis is around. (laughs) So yeah, I think I would kind of lump her in there. But I do think Rachel has strong buzz going in. And I don't want to doubt her really at all when it comes to the Oscars. I actually hope that she shows up. I think right now we have a very strange thing happening in Best Actress where it's a lot of veterans. They're all in biopic performances for the most part. And I think we need to get some new blood in there. And while I adore Alana Haim, like I loved her performance. I thought she was revelatory. I loved Rachel Zegler too. I thought she was a phenomenal Maria. And she would absolutely like die if she was nominated for best actress it would be the cutest thing in the world and i just want her to be happy so i hope this means something for her oscar campaign and this was both of their acting debuts which is wild i think it's hard for me to see either of them getting in the oscars because of that i'm not saying it can't happen or that it hasn't before i think it's just going to be really tough and it'll maybe depend on if west side story is as highly regarded to the Academy as it is for other bodies. And I think with supporting, Ariana was gonna win here. I'm not surprised, you know, it is sad for Kirsten. And I don't know if this puts Ariana as the front runner, but I think Rachel's win is bigger for her than the supporting category. I do think Ariana is the front runner for supporting actress right now. It's just such a flashy award-winning role and she has I mean, she's fabulous in the movie, and she's winning awards, critics awards, and now moving her way into these industry nominations and getting support there. I love Kirsten Dunst. I hope she puts up a fight. I might go out on a limb and predict Rachel for the Oscar. I think it's happening. Wow. Yeah. That's the other important thing about Rachel Zegler and Alana Haim, is that they're the only two Best Actress contenders right now who are in strong Best Picture contenders. Everyone else is either not in a Best Picture movie or is in a, like, cuspy 11 through 15. Like, House of Gucci, no. Lost Daughters feels really cuspy. Being the Ricardos feels cuspy. And Spencer's not going to get in. So I think there's... They do it a lot more on the actor side, where most of the Best Actor nominees will come from uh, Best Picture nominees as well. And on actors, they're a little, Mm -hmm. you tend to see a lot more kind of like lone nominees from the the actor's side. But I still think that there's a case for people who are seeing and loving West Side Story and Licorice Pizza to vote for their leading ladies to get in more than... Jessica Chastain isn't going to get in on the power of her movie. Right. So that's something I'm keeping in mind while 
figuring out what my predictions are going to be because that's like an important kind of intangible piece to it I think do these wins matter at all really without the televised show I don't know if they're going to affect the Oscars in the end but I think some of these winners are going to show up but I think we've been expecting that too so I'm not so surprised do you think they ever really have a big impact on the Oscars yeah I think that's one of the biggest problems with this group and with this award show is that they have outsized Mm -hmm. influence. That's how it's been for decades. And that's part of the problem is that you have a collection of people who we don't know what they do really. We don't know who they are. They're not artisans. They're not actors. They're not filmmakers. But they vote on these awards for this big, splashy ceremony and... That was always seen as a necessary stepping stone on your way to Oscar. It's where you make those big speeches. It's where you get goodwill from everybody. And that's why we would last year when we had so many issues predicting best actress, we were so stuck on that stat of, okay, well, so many times it goes to either the winner of comedy musical or the winner of drama. So I think, yeah, they do influence the Oscars because a lot of these groups, they don't really watch a lot of movies and vote for what other people are voting for and when the golden globes happen first i mean that's honestly why i miss them right it's like thanksgiving before christmas it's like kicking off what happens during the holidays and without that this year i don't i don't know i think the critics choice wanted to be that but then omicron came and said no (laughs) (laughs) so it's just a hard it's a hard thing to figure out this year and i think their presence really affects just the whole alchemy of the season that in previous years, it would have been a big a big deal when Globe Noms come out and everyone, you know, thanks the HFPA and tweets about it and seeing all about it. And then the, the big televised awards show that you're seeing the big acceptance speeches and you're at least getting maybe from us as like more on the prognosticator side, you're getting kind of the, just like the temperature of the season and how these people who maybe are influencing, but also are just kind of living in Hollywood and just being kind of part of that ecosystem to know what people are liking and what they're not liking and who they want to award. And I do think it does influence it. Just someone gives a good speech or they they have that extra laurel on the FYC ad that people do perk up a little bit when they see it, whether consciously or subconsciously. But I do think this year, even without the televised ceremony, the awards were still not ignored. Maybe the chaotic tweets were a strategy for them to keep getting press and keep getting people to talk about them. Maybe if they had just put out a press release, then no one would have cared. And this is them just like unable to let go of Mm -hmm. some type of pomp and circumstance. But I think that people didn't really ignore. and, And especially, I think, even the celebrities who won that there were fewer of them that ignored their own win than I thought maybe was expected. I saw a tweet from Alexandra Billings, another trans performer, who was putting a spotlight on MJ's win. Uh, I'm not sure how, how MJ reacted, but I think like we were saying last time, like the Golden Globes Twitter has over a million followers. How many of them knew that this wasn't being televised? Or, you know, how many of them know exactly what's going on? But they will care that a trans performer won. The benefit of spotlighting that, I think, to a lot of people is going to outweigh the harm of kind of breaking the silence about the Globes. I agree. And I did see like Rachel Zegler and Ariana DeBose, they both shared their wins on Twitter and on Instagram and just were talking about representation and how few Latina actors ever win. Exactly. You should spotlight those good moments. Next, we're going to talk about the BAFTA long lists. So BAFTA, they release long lists in every category, which is so nice. I love looking at the BAFTA long lists and seeing how they're going to narrow everything down. Every category is determined differently. So sometimes they'll be voted on by their individual chapters. So craftspeople in that chapter, sometimes you can opt in or there's a jury. The only thing that's voted on by all film voting members is best film. Were there any kind of observations that you guys had or takeaways that you think are important heading into the rest of the season? 
My favorite thing about looking at the literal long list is that under each category is a paragraph of how these nominations were decided. Mm -hmm. And I live for that. I love that there's such a process behind all these you know, calculations of the long list and that they're transparent with us and tell us. Like Sometimes the paragraphs are longer than the nominee list. It's fascinating how I different they are, though. Like yeah, that. I love rules. Love, mm-hmm. love that there are this many rules. <laughs> I think overall it just kind of feels like the critics' nominations to me because we get like, well, we get more than that even. So it's like, okay, I see everything that we've seen all season. Like, we're good to go. This doesn't really help yet until we get nominations. But with the BAFTAs, we're going to get a lot of those British films incorporated into normal categories too. Like Anadarmis being in for No Time to Die. You know, little things like that. (laughs) I was so excited when I saw that. (laughs) Um, There were some fun surprises as well and some, some shockers. Yeah, I think with long lists, it's exciting to see what cool stuff makes it in that will probably never get nominated but at least got a mention it's less cool Mm -hmm. to see who doesn't even make the long list if there's someone or a movie that you kind of expected to be like just missing out on a nomination or something and there were a bunch of those this year the first thing i actually looked at was i looked at how licorice pizza would perform because that to me is such an american film that I was curious if that was going to be one of those that BAFTA just rejected. The same with King Richard. I was like, okay, King Richard, that's very American to me. Will Smith, it's about the Williams sisters, who, yes, are global in their way, but it's an American sports story. So I was surprised to see Licorice Pizza pop up in so many places, like cinematography, production design. It is all over this thing. But I think even more so... I was shocked to see the resurgence of House of Gucci. It had so many mentions on the long list. Yeah. Like even Al Pacino mm. for supporting actor. Adam Driver. I think a lot of people agree that he's doing what was asked of him, but it's nothing important in that movie. Yeah. Even me. <laughs> right. Right. But I think our biggest players overall that all had more than 10 mentions. So those are West Side Story, Don't Look Up, The Power of the Dog, Belfast, Dune, Licorice Pizza, House of Gucci, and The French Dispatch. I guess that's coming back. I don't think so, but that would that would be weird. I don't think so either. But even um, Benicio Del Toro for supporting actor for The French Dispatch. And I, I had thought that if there was an actor from that movie, it would be Jeffrey Wright. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that list of, of movies are a lot of the big ones. It's kind of unfortunate that uh, a lot of the mentions in the long lists are things that we have been seeing all season and are just the big movies uh, compared to last year's BAFTA nominations which skewed very British and very seemingly indie British especially Mm -hmm. that it seems like maybe the British movies that are on these long lists that aren't kind of you know the big well I guess I don't know if there's one other than Belfast is that the big British movie no Time to Die no time is the to other die. one. Okay. House of Gucci is apparently an outstanding British film. Oh, well, I guess really Scott's English, right? I always forget that. <laughs> That'll definitely be Belfast. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. skipping that category completely right now. Um, <laughs> yeah. First Cow is in for director, though. That's kind of the last year pick that made it in this year. The most exciting thing that I saw was actually in the director category. The Souvenir Part 2, love seeing Joanna Hogg on the list. Um, Titan is back, so Julia could show up Mm -hmm. here, which is always exciting. This is another category that is juried, so we could get some good picks here. I think seeing, I'm sorry, Nick, seeing Drive My Car long listed in director and adapted screenplay is a good sign for its Oscar chances in other categories besides international feature, I think. Yeah, I think international is going to win do I put this in picture? Do I take this out? I kind of like went back and forth three times doing that. I'm not sure if I'm going to keep it or not. I don't have it in picture right now. I think a three hour screener is very daunting to people. Well, we thought that earlier and <laughs> look how it's come. So I mean, I know <laughs> it's possible. Speaking of things that were left off and uh, kind of give a sign that maybe they're not as uh, relevant as maybe we think they are. 
Nightmare Alley, just like the Globes, it didn't show up in anything other than technicals here. So not even the long lists for, you know, supporting actress or director or, or, or picture that it seems like a movie that a lot of people are hanging on to, but probably just, I think, needs to be let go as a, any of the top contenders there. Well, you're going to put in Cape Blanchett for Don't Look Up and not Nightmare Alley. I mean, at <laughs> that least... Was, yeah, ooh, you see, that was At least I got it right. <laughs> oh my God. I don't know about that. It's funny, like seeing Kate in Nightmare Alley and in Don't Look Up, you think, wow, good directors are essential to getting strong performances out of actors. Because I love Kate, but Mm -hmm. Kate in Don't Look Up is not doing it for me. I have not watched yet because I'm terrified of it. I I just can't find the right day that I know I'm going to put myself through that. Because at this point, I'm I'm watching after work. So I'm like, oh, Mm -hmm. I I don't want (laughs) to... Um, Other folks that aren't on the lists that at least I had been thinking about, Nick, you mentioned Marley Matlin before. She's not on the long list, even though Coda did show up places. Ben Affleck for The Tender Bar, who's showing up in some industry, you know, Hollywood industry awards, but not in the UK. Um, And then two two other ones that I'm more sad about, uh, Nicolas Cage for Pig didn't make the list. And then... Probably the biggest one is Penelope Cruz for Parallel Mm -hmm. Mothers, who seems like she should be showing up in some some things, but I don't know if people need to start moving past that as well. Today was a wake up call for me with her in particular because I was getting, you know, very hopeful about her making it in and I was thinking like we could have a really good winner. Like she could win a second one. (laughs) Nicholas Cage and Pig. And also just more international performances. Um, I was hoping that Anders Danielson Lee from The Worst Person in the World could make it into supporting actor. And also Hidetoshi Nishijima for Drive My Car. Like, there were just a lot of performances. And because of the BAFTA long list we got last year, I thought that they could you know, get more creative here. And last up for today, we'll be talking about the SAG nominations. I think this was the most exciting for today. This solidifies since actors vote for actors. We kind of got to see the landscape of how that's going to be, which translates pretty well to the Oscars. I had one in each category that was just totally different. How did you guys do predicting or what were some shockers You know what? I love to see a film Twitter bubble burst. And I had been clinging to Bradley Cooper and Licorice Pizza. I would not let him go. And he showed up today, despite everyone saying he doesn't have enough screen time. He's not enough for the movie. You know what? Jamie Dornan gave a 45 second karaoke performance and that's good enough for you. It's not good enough for SAG. Not good enough for me. Bradley Cooper, scene stealer. Let's go. And actors can recognize that. That's what it tells me. Like, actors don't care about screen time as much as film Twitter. And I think he has a shot. Supporting actors is super weird. We had Ben Affleck for The Tender Bar, Bradley Cooper for Licorice Pizza, Troy Kotzer for Coda, Jared Leto for House of Gucci, and Cody Smith-McPhee for The Power of the Dog. Very notably here, both Belfast boys Kieran Hines and Jamie Dornan were missing. What do you guys make of this category? I expected this to be like the vanilla awards today. And I was kind of surprised. First off, because Belfast didn't like sweep everywhere. Katrina is the only one in supporting actress as well. But wow, thank God they're not here. I'm so happy. (laughs) Yeah, I'm also happy. I think it's worse for Jamie Dornan to miss SAG than it is for Kieran Hines between the two of them. It was already questioning if he would make it in. I think Kieran Hines, of, certainly of the two of them, seemed much more likely to get a Oscar nomination. So I think that Kieran Hines can still make it through even without SAG. I don't think Jamie gets in anymore. Because especially with the juried BAFTA system... I doubt he's getting into supporting actor at BAFTA. And he always just kind of felt like that extra one that was along for the ride. To me, I can't see the Academy pulling other actors in for this movie. I just have this feeling that if that happens, it's going to be like a weird Jesse Plemons edition or a like Mike Feist, someone like that who we don't see all season, who just has a lot of 
support in the industry or goodwill around the performance and the movie's really well liked. I never really saw that happening with Dornan. I really liked him in Barb and Star <laughs> and I even liked parts of him in Belfast, but yeah, it just never really seemed like a performance that would get recognized to me. So I think this is the end of the road. And Affleck showing up here is giving me Jared Leto from The Little Things from last year. So <laughs> who's going to take his spot? With the Oscars, I mean, it could be Mike Feist. I would totally have him over Jamie Dornan, but... So that assumes that you think Cooper, (laughs) Kotzer, Leto, and Smith McPhee are in. Why not? The only people that I think we can say, okay, they're going to be in right now are Cody Smith McPhee and Troy Kotzer. I agree. I think Bradley Cooper has serious momentum right now, like getting the surprise nomination here getting BAFTA long-listed. He is the most popular person here on this list. He has the most Oscar nominations, but yeah. And Jared Leto, I mean, what? (laughs) Really? We're here again? I will say, I don't know if I've talked about House of Gucci on here. I think he is totally fine in House of Gucci. And it depends on who doesn't get nominated, but I'm pro this performance. Like he, I'm, I'm not gonna, he's not gonna be on my list, my you know my personal ballot. But I think he and Gaga are the the only two who really knew what they were doing in the movie. It makes sense why actors really like this. Wait, so Nick, okay, let's get back to you really quickly. So if you you who are your five right now? Cody, Kieran, Troy, Jared, and Bradley Cooper. That's my five too. That's also what I have. Wow. Cooper seems to me like the most risky. I'm so nervous. Because to me, if he gets in, then it opens up this whole thing of like, could this be the one? Do you guys have an idea of who you think can win SAG? I think we'll do predictions, but like, what's your feeling right now? I mean, I guess Cody, Mm -hmm. but it's been, I guess, Cody the whole time. I don't have a reason why other than that he keeps winning. And he's great, but he just keeps winning. Mm -hmm. I could see Jared Leto pulling an upset, just considering how much they like House of Gucci. It gets that ensemble nomination. Yes, it is like a very starry movie, but I could see them doing that if we did have an upset. But yeah, I think it'll be Cody still. Um, Next, we have Best Supporting Actress. Our nominees are Katrina Balfe for Belfast, Kate Blanchett for Nightmare Alley, Ariana DeBose for West Side Story, Kirsten Dunst for The Power of the Dog, and Ruth Nega for Passing. I think the biggest miss here no Anjanu Ellis for King Richard that made me really sad yeah kind of especially sad that it came from SAG really wish that she'd gotten that recognition from her peers but I don't think that it's going to keep her out of the Oscar nomination unless King Richard is much weaker than we thought but I think if if King Richard is still the solid you know contender for a lot of nominations that I think a lot of people think it is then I feel like she gets in based on that. Yeah, this was a little tragic, but I think Ruth Nega showing up in her place is exciting. Maybe this is the push she needs to get into that five. I mean, I guess without Ingenue there, there are three locks. So we have two more. I think Marley Matlin not getting in here hurts her as well. But this is like a big step for Ruth Nega. I thought that Ruth Nega was just astonishing in passing. She's really, really good in it, and I'm so happy to see her here. I think that we just swap out Kate for Ingenue, and that's the five. That's what I have right now. Yeah, I think Katrina, Ariana, and Kristen are in, and Ingenue as well. I go back and forth between Ruth Nega and Rita Moreno still. Oh my god, I forgot about her. Mm -hmm. Yes, wait. Yeah, she didn't get SAG, she didn't get Globe, but she got in Critics, and critics nominations just mean that you're part of the conversation, really. But that's the type of role and the type of narrative, especially for her, that gets a bunch of votes at Oscar, I think. And she is part of a, a big movie that's going to get a lot of nominations. Ruth is not. That I go back and forth between the two of them a lot. I think Ruth has a lot more of a case based on precursors, but Rita still has the story that I can't put down. I think if we have a double in this category, it will be West Side Story. I don't think Judy Dench is getting in for Belfast. I know we thought that once upon a time, but I do think Rita Moreno gets the like sentimental vote. She presented Best Picture last year. <laughs> yeah. Just think of the story that could be if the woman who's playing the role that she won for back in 61 is nominated alongside her. Like The Academy loves stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Next for lead actor, we got Javier Bardem for Being the Ricardos, 
Benedict Cumberbatch for The Power of the Dog, Andrew Garfield for Tick, Tick, Boom, Will Smith for King Richard, and Denzel Washington for The Tragedy of Macbeth. I think our oddball that I didn't see coming was Javier Bardem. But this is why I'm surprised being the Ricardos didn't show up for cast ensemble. Mm -hmm. I bet it was really close. I mean, without J.K. Simmons as well, who I thought would be like a shoe in in so many of these ceremonies, like why not give them ensemble as like a here you go, here's Sorkin, here's this great group of people, but we got Bardem instead, which not my favorite performance of his. I was going to say, this is another one I have not caught up with yet. Everyone's just talking about Nicole. Is he good? No. Okay. Um, this is the actors wanting to give Lucy and Desi awards. Mm. That's what this is. More so in the case of Javier than Nicole. I think that Nicole people have really gathered around that performance and are celebrating it, but... Javier feels like we liked the movie. We like these people that they're playing. Like, let's add him here. And I think best actor, I mean, there aren't, if you look at the wide field, like you could, uh, Simon Rex was ineligible. Nicolas Cage, that wasn't happening. Leonardo DiCaprio, I thought that might happen, but there aren't a lot of other people you could really go for here. Peter Dinklage, like who has seen Cyrano? I don't see this necessarily being our Oscar five. I do think Cumberbatch, Garfield, Smith, and Washington feel right. And then that fifth spot is totally in flux. My fifth slot right now is actually going to Leo, but he has not missed a nomination for most of his movies in the last decade because he has not made that many. He did get in the Globes, although it was just, um, or it was in musical or comedy, so it's a little, little iffier. But I just cannot accept that Peter Dinklage is going to get in. And that I don't want to say anything bad against him because I don't have anything. But that's because his movie doesn't exist and no one's seen it. So I don't know why he has buzz. I agree with you on the Leo thing. Like, that feels much safer to me. Yeah. Like, I can't sleep at night if I do that right now. Let's move on to our favorite category, lead actress. The nominees here, I think we had our biggest shocker. So we have Jessica Chastain for The Eyes of Tammy Faye, Olivia Coleman for The Lost Daughter, Lady Gaga for House of Gucci, Jennifer Hudson for Respect, and Nicole Kidman for Being the Ricardos. No Kristen Stewart for Spencer. LOL. <laughs> but will this translate? I feel like she would still show up at Oscars, but this is not great. I remember it on one of our episodes, we were saying like Kristen needs to win or show up at SAG. I forget, but like, goodbye. I think it kills her shot to win, but yeah. I think she, she could still get in. But I think we need to look elsewhere for a winner now. Yeah. I think she could, but she's not winning BAFTA. There is no way that the British people will choose her. <laughs> there just isn't. I mean, Kate and Will go to that. I was trying to think why you specifically thought the British wouldn't do that. I was like, oh, because it, it wasn't just about your favorite princess's like suicide ideations. You don't like that movie. Yeah. Right. And it didn't even get long listed for cinematography, which I thought was its best element. It made costume design and score. But yeah, I just, I don't know. And with the jury system, I could see Stuart missing a nomination even at BAFTA. I think she will win Critics' Choice. Unless the critics decide to abandon her and go with the Kidman buzz, which is very possible. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, if you just have a Critics' Choice Award and you're not even at SAG and you're maybe not at BAFTA, I mean, definitely still a shot at a nomination, but it also hurts her that she's in a polarizing film that's not going to show up anywhere else. She comes in with so much baggage, too. Yeah, I feel like she still has to overcome being Bella. Like, she has to continue to prove herself, almost in a way that, like, Glenn Close never wins. I don't know if this is going to continue for her. Like, what does she have to do next? Because she went so dramatic. Like, she's showing she has chops, but I don't know what more or what else she can do. At least the French love her. Mm -hmm. They the, do. The, the, the only American to ever win a César. Yeah, actress is hard this year. I think a lot of the buzz around Stuart felt very like Twitter hive mind. Not so much at the beginning, but when I saw the movie and then I started seeing like she didn't win New York, she didn't win LA, those wins that I thought would be kind of key pickups for her along the way just didn't happen. I thought, okay, this is not really the thing we thought it would be anymore. I do buy the buzz around Nicole Kidman. 
it mm-hmm. makes sense to me. Like she's playing a very famous person in the industry. She's a previous winner. It's been a long time since she's won. Like she has a pretty good amount of space between her wins if she won for this. And it's a way for voters to also award Lucille Ball in a way. I mean, that's kind of how Nicole is speaking about these nominations. And I think that's smart. It's smart campaign strategy. So I think it could work. I don't think it's like locked up or anything, but she's my pick for now. Oddly, her or Coleman. Yeah, Coleman just always feels like stealth second place, always being, Mm -hmm. you know, the time that she surprised one. I think last year for the father, she was always in contention for the win and until that category firmed up. But but yeah, she seems maybe she'll surprise again. Um, But I also wanted to mention kind of comparing the narratives of Kristen Stewart and Nicole Kidman in these roles that they both started with. So they're, they're both playing some cultural icons and they both started with sort of like first look photos where mm-hmm. Kristen Stewart's was the very beautifully composed um, image. She's wearing like the red top and the black hat with the black uh, like like birdcage veil and everyone freaked out when you know that was going to happen and immediately she's like, oh, it, she looks like her. We believe it. We, she can do it. We think she we think this is going to happen. At least that, that's the perception that I got. Compared to Kidman, whose first image of her as Lucille Ball was a paparazzi shot from the set when she's like walking from her trailer, wind blown, like blurry photo in her slight prosthetic, that everyone was pissed that she was going to be playing Lucille Ball, that she isn't going to sound like her, she's going to act like her, she's going to look like her, and had no confidence in it. And then what I have been hearing is from people who watch Being the Ricardos is that not only is she best in show, but she is actually doing a pretty good job embodying Lucille Ball, even if it's not a exact you know look alike or sound alike. That she's the journey from the internet just dumping on that first photo to the perception of her performance in the role now has is such a dramatic increase compared to I think what happened with Stewart where she started with high expectations based off that photo and I think people thought she still did good but the movie wasn't was so polarizing that it kind of faltered from there so those were just interesting kind of parallel journeys that the two of them went through and then with with Jessica Chastain like again (laughs) another biopic performance I'm sorry that I'm laughing I think she's good in this movie I think she's really good yeah even though the movie didn't work for me I thought she was really good in it I did really like her but the movie came out so long ago and I mean she's trying to sustain the buzz and it's it's working for the most part but she has had a bad track record of showing up on Oscar nomination morning when her movie is not a big thing Mm -hmm. so I do wonder about that if like that could hurt her but I do think she's fairly safe. She kind of has been all season. I think with her having scenes from a marriage out as well as keeping that buzz going, like, hey, I'm here. I'm doing TV and film. Like, keep looking at me. Um, <laughs> and the 355. <laughs> the one, the bomb. I think Tammy Faye showing up in makeup is like a double whammy for them because she can kind of campaign there too and have those people also spread word of mouth for her. So it's kind of maybe just a special case because that was so long ago. Respect was so long ago. Oh yeah. I feel like her yeah. being in here is like an August conversation, not January the following year. So we did talk about this movie in August. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what is interesting is like I know with Hudson, again, another previous winner, they got those screeners out very early. And that makes a big difference with SAG. Um, We'll talk about West Side Story in a minute, but it makes a huge difference. And people saw Jennifer Hudson's performance. And Stuart not being there, I can't believe I have to say this, is not Jennifer Hudson's fault. Oh, no. (laughs) This was a performance that they really liked. They just didn't like Spencer as well. And I don't think it's that shocking, really, if you think about it. Like, now that we're hours away from the miss. And we didn't have Heimer Zegler here, but I don't think that necessarily sounds like alarms or anything for me they don't really recognize newcomers very often unless they're children like helena zengel (laughs) last year you remember her but yeah i wasn't too shocked to see either of them miss here if you remember her ask one person to tell you (laughs) who was nominated for 
these various awards last year, they will never get Helen is Angle. And our last category we'll talk about is Best Ensemble. Our nominees, we have Belfast, Coda, Don't Look Up, House of Gucci, and King Richard. This is a messy list. <laughs> I was kind of shocked that House of Gucci showed up here. Mm-hmm. That and I guess King Richard, but those kind of took the spots of being in the Ricardos and Power of the Dog for me. I guess when you think of an entire cast like these have the most, I feel like there is a clear winner now, maybe with Belfast. But like when I think about it, it's like, is there? Could King Richard like come from behind and just steal it? I think because Belfast missed so many acting potential nominations here that I'm like, wait, maybe it won't win. If I had to pick like an earnest winner, it would be Coda. I don't know. It's probably going to be Belfast or Don't Look Up. I mean, Don't Look Up, it has so many actors in that Mm -hmm. ensemble. That just like kind of feels like something they might choose if we don't go the Belfast route. Let's say, hypothetically, Power of the Dog is the best picture frontrunner. When that's not there, then they tend to go for just like the biggest cast that they can. Like Trial of Chicago 7 won last year. Black Panther has won before like three Three billboards. billboards. (laughs) That they just kind of go for a pretty big cast. I love the King Richard nomination. It could just be, you know, maybe it's one of the top five contenders for Best Picture, possibly, but that movie seems like it's starting as a biopic and then ends as a real true ensemble piece. And I think nominating here is a really an accurate nomination for it. I also would put Sanaya Sidney in my list of favorite supporting actress performances this mm-hmm. year. And if mm-hmm. it wins ensemble, then she would get a win too. Um, Because she's included in that. So yeah, I really love that nomination too. I think we should talk quickly about West Side Story missing here. Mm -hmm. I I think that's kind of nightmarish. I feel like the power of the dog not getting in here. I don't know. It feels like when the Irishman didn't get in or when Marriage Story didn't get in, when you have a handful of really strong performances, but they never really work as an ensemble in the way that you think of a traditional ensemble. So I'm not as worried about that. I think the big thing for Power of the Dog is that Cody, Kirsten, and Benedict all got in with individual nominations. That's a stronger showing to me than Belfast getting ensemble and missing those two supporting actors. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But West Side Story felt different. And I know word has been going around that they had screener issues. They didn't send out screeners. They only gave out the digital screener. Mm. It could be that. What do you guys think? I would hope it's a screener issue. I mean, Ariana still got in, so it's not like they were totally blind to it. But if this did mean anything for Oscars, maybe it's out of having a real chance for winning picture, which is scary only for not one movie. I hope that's not the case. When you said Ariana got in, I was staring at Ariana Grande in the (laughs) list for Don't Look Up. And I was like, I was like, why? Don't don't mix those up Good. this season. <laughs> the other shocker here for today, I mean, in a good way, is that Belfast didn't make the stunt ensemble <laughs> nomination. I know I put that into the ether. We keep talking about its sound nomination like possibilities because well, there's Trial scenes. of the Chicago Seven got in for stunt ensemble last year. Oh mm-hmm. That's all we'll have for today on Golden Globes. BAFTA long list and our SAG nominations. But I wanted to hear from you guys one wild card prediction that you have now. So like pick one crazy thing that you think will happen with Oscar nominations. It can be a snub. It can be an inclusion. I'll say come on, come on for original screenplay. Not that this has any connection, but I did love seeing Woody Norman showing up on the BAFTA long list for supporting actor. And I thought mine coming into this was going to be Bradley Cooper getting in but we all agreed to that so instead I'm going to feel confident that Diane Warren gets in for her song sung by Reba McIntyre and then Reba is going to perform and there's going to be images of Glenn Close and Mila Kunis in the background I do have that getting in right now I have it in too I mean I don't want to bet against her and mine is that I think Tick Tick Boom is going to miss Best Picture it just like feels right. like it's losing momentum and it didn't show up as much as I would have thought on the BAFTA long list today at SAG. It didn't really show up anywhere. And this feels like a movie that 
actors would like. It just got had Garfield, but no Robin de Jesus. I thought that could maybe happen. No ensemble. It feels like it's fading for me. And I feel like Ricardo's and Gucci are like picking it up. They are building steam and we have the, you know, the drive my car possibility there. So yeah, I think Tick Tick Boom could miss Best Picture. In that same regard, I think Nightmare Alley's out too. Oh yeah. I agree. And Coda might be in. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, pictures still in flux, which is exciting. Mm-hmm. Those ten spots. Yeah, the ten's going to be so interesting. Like, what's number ten? Because we haven't had a tenth nominee in ten years. Well, thank you, Bennett, for joining us again. Our like special awards pundit. We always come to let everybody know where they can find you on socials. You can technically find me on Twitter. Uh, It's at Bennett Prosser. It's Bennett with two N's and two T's. But I have not tweeted an original tweet in about five years. (laughs) So you may have more luck finding me on Letterboxd, where you can just search for my name, Bennett Prosser, or my username there is bprosser10. My background is in data, and so I keep my letterbox very up-to-date and very precise. So, Wait, Bennett, what were some of your letterboxed end-of-year stats? <sighs> some big things for me from 2021. My most-watched actor was Tom Hanks uh, with seven movies. He just edged out Natalie Portman, who is usually my number one. And then my most-watched director was Robert Zemeckis with eight movies, and that's because I am behind on the Blink Check podcast, and mm. I am I just finished their Zemeckis series, so uh, I was watching the ones that I had not seen before. Otherwise, I had a list of my favorite movies that I had never seen before that I watched for the first time. Mm-hmm. My favorite five movies that I watched last year were The Exorcist. So good. And then The Kingdom of Dreams and Madness, which is the documentary about Studio Ghibli. My number three was Brief Encounter. My number four was M, the Fritz Lang movie from 1931. Mm-hmm. And then number five was uh, Ang Lee's Sense and Sensibility. I love Sense and Sensibility. I've been wanting to do that one for a while, but I'm just scared of what Nick will think of it. <laughs> so when we finally do it, I'm going to have you come on with me and help me. Oh, I loved it. Well, thank you again, Bennett, for being here. I'm sure you'll be back very soon when we get these nominations and we can do predictions and everything like that. Yeah, when's, I don't know when the next big day is, but I'll be here the night of the big day, whatever, whatever that is. <laughs> and thank you all for listening. If you like our show, please rate, review, and subscribe. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Oscar Wilde Pod. Next time on Oscar Wilde, we will be giving a review of Joel Cohen's The Tragedy of Macbeth and talking about which categories we think it should be considered in. Also, Catherine Hunter showing up on the long list. I think this will be a fun little chat. One of the last bigger movies that we haven't talked about yet on the pod, so this will be good to get that in before we start our Contender series, which is Mm -hmm. exciting. So thank you all for listening again, and we'll see you for that next week. Mm